episode of Sweet Valley Online. This week, we're discussing Sweet Valley Twins number 40, Danny Means Trouble. I'm Dove, and this is the most boring, very special episode I've ever read. I'm here with my not-so-evil twins, Wing and Raven. I'm Wing, and I am here too, apparently. I'm Raven, and I'm here to make up the numbers. Well, thanks everyone for that rousing reasons why you're here. I'm actually excited about this one. I just had nothing when it came to me. Okay. I think I forgot I had to introduce myself. Danny Means Trouble is about Danny Jackson, who should not be confused with Denny Jacobson, brother of Pamela Jacobson. You know, the girl with a heart condition, which is exactly the same as a sprained ankle. Danny Jackson is the newest new kid at Sweet Valley Middle, and he runs track. He's also a troublemaker, hence the title. The school is abuzz with his latest exploits, from cutting off a hank of Julie Porter's hair, ripping up a lab report, or allegedly seeing a mouse running across the classroom floor. This leaves him teetering on the brink of suspension. From the track team, which is totes awful because we'll never beat Pinecrest without him. St. Elizabeth interviews him about his running prowess for the Sixers, and when she comes to check an article with him, something we've never seen her do before with anyone else, she notices it takes him a while to get through the article. She asks him if he can't read, and Danny reacts by tearing the cover off a magazine. Punk rock. St. Elizabeth then assumes he can't read because his last school was awful. I'm not kidding, this is literally in the text. Mr. Clark, the principal, sees this violent disregard for magazines and suspends him from the track team. Whoa! Meanwhile, Elizabeth tells Jessica, who is sworn to secrecy. And Jessica has clearly been abducted by aliens because she actually keeps this secret. They find an article about Greg Voynow, an Olympic hurdler, who also has problems reading. Elizabeth writes to him and gets him to visit Danny after school one day when Danny is watching track practice. Danny gets in the car with a perfect stranger because he's famous, and I'm fairly certain there's been no cases of famous people being killers, paedophiles, or general wrong-uns, right? They both go for ice cream, where Olympic Greg makes everything better, and Danny agrees to tell the teachers about his reading issues. It turns out he's dyslexic, and possibly we can infer that his previous school wasn't quite as bad as Elizabeth thought, or at least no worse than Sweet Valley Middle. Olympic Greg rocks up at school one day to give a special assembly on how we mustn't mock people with learning disabilities because one day they might be famous like him. He calls St. Elizabeth to the stage and proclaims that she is the best person ever for fixing Danny and kisses her on the cheek. All is fucking well. Nice. Beautifully done. There was also a B-plot as well where Jessica did some working out uh, because she did a quiz and found herself to be half fit, half fat and wanted to be completely fit because Bruce Patman was talking to another track runner and she thought Bruce Patman might like her if she if she was like totally fit and had 19,000 abs and so she totes got into running and yeah that was actually probably one of my favorite bits of it the the b plot with jessica it was surprisingly entertaining and she stuck with it longer than i expected which means that there are two whole different things that jessica didn't see very jessica and yet it was entertaining during one that she kept the fucking secret about danny as you pointed out and then two that she put so much work into working out even after it started to suck for her it's like jessica you're doing things I can't say that lasting. I can't say that lasting in, into the following books. Well, 
Yeah, like the exercise didn't even last through the whole book, so. <laughs> yeah, she weighed herself and she realised that she'd gained three pounds. Oh, that and was right, And at yes, the end of it, she was it. like, well, fuck that, I'm not getting heavier. Like, clearly, she bought a load of exercise magazines, but didn't bother reading that, you know, exercise makes you lose inches, not necessarily pounds. So someone who's fit could conceivably weigh more than someone. She's packing on the muscle, that's what it is. She's packing on the muscle. 100% pure Wakefield. She got that giant blister and was super unhappy, which, you know, to be fair, that's kind of going to uh, ruin her chances with the unicorns. Or, no, it's going to ruin her chances with the boosters if she's continually doing stuff like dropping pyramids and things. Yeah, well, the thing that annoyed me about this is, like, um, well, not annoyed me, but made me flash back to a previous annoyance, was the fact that Jessica was half fit, half fat. And that's that's fair, like, because these kids eat a lot of junk food. And, yes, Jessica is in the boosters. And at one point she was doing ballet. That seems to have tailed off a bit. She's um, also good at basketball as well, wasn't she? And doing lots of other sports and softball and things. She was, yeah. But Elizabeth doesn't elizabeth is very much an indoors person and i would love to see elizabeth get fat because um elizabeth eats at the same rate that jessica does and i can't remember whether it's the first book in sweet valley twins or the first book in sweet valley high but she goes for a sunday with a fatty so it was either lois waller or robin will robin wilson not williams different person entirely um and she's super judgy of this fat girl. And like Elizabeth sitting there going, yes, she indulged in ice cream, but she did lots of healthy things. And she lived off lettuce because she's so all American and healthy. It's like, dude, if your, metal- if your metabolism was slower, you would be gigantic. You eat burgers, you eat cookies, you eat donuts. You're not healthy. You're just genetically thin. Yeah, it is true. Uh, so yeah, it brought up a lot of residual hatred. So, and uh, Jessica is actually the much more active twin. So I also thought this sudden urge to work out was kind of Jessica-like because she does get her one true hobby, doesn't she, per book? And she got well into it. And of course, she went. The first thing she did on her exercise regime was to go to the mall and buy purple workout wear, like like for leg, um, the shiny. Uh, leggings in bright purple of course and that's jessica i love it that's why we love jessica she's so dedicated to what she throws herself into unless it's work like uh, odd jobs and stuff but everything else so dedicated to acting becoming a rock star exercising but i really like jessica in this especially because she kept the secret because i think if jessica is written right she can do these things like um, it is a bit out of character for her not to go blabbing. But it did show a, like, softer side of Jessica. I mean, she was still very dismissive of, oh, he can't read, don't mess with him, he might beat you up if you bring it up. You know, she still wasn't, she didn't have a heart of gold like St. Elizabeth. But, to be um, fair, she had a point with that, though, because he he was, whenever he was questioned about anything that was slightly touchy, he was like, Hulk rage. Smash this, rip a magazine, stamp on this. Yeah, she's not wrong. And it's more believable that she would keep, like, all the other times that she doesn't keep a secret that Elizabeth tells her kind of always come across as cracks. I do think she would keep a secret for Elizabeth most of the time. So I like seeing that here. And you're right, like, she's perfectly valid in saying that, that he might Hulk rage at her, Hulk smash at her, because 
yeah, he is doing those kind of things. And Elizabeth knows it. So I liked that about it's Jessica. It's weird as well with Jessica and the secret thing, because sometimes she's presented as just going, oh, yes, I'll keep your secrets. I'm just going to go and phone Lila and immediately sort of giving up the goods. But sometimes she's or she's portrayed as, I will keep the secret until it is forced out of me. Because let's go back to everyone's favourite book, Ithig. She did try to keep that secret, but everyone was... Lila and everyone was like, we're not going to be your friends. And she was eventually coerced into giving that up. Even though it wasn't a secret, it was just a fucking nonsense. But usually, I think this time she felt that... Well, it felt that it was easy for her to keep the secret. Because nobody gave a toss. No one was asking her about Danny or anything like that. Does anyone know what's going on with Danny? He's weird. I've noticed that he looks at books and holds them upside down. You know, that didn't actually happen. So she she could keep the secret through sheer fluke, I guess. I think that's a good way to balance out Jessica keeping a secret or not. Like, when when it comes down to losing her friends, of course she's going to give in, like with Ithing, our favourite. But yeah, if, if they're leaving her alone or if it's a secret that can't bring her anything necessarily... Yeah, she can keep that secret. And she tries to keep secrets for family, as we've seen before. So I did like that she kept it here. And I like that theory that she could keep it because no one was asking her about it. That's a great point. I think Jessica sort of has a sliding scale of promises. Like, if Elizabeth's like, oh, will you sit with me on the bus? Jessica's kind of like, yeah, I'm going to rate that as a as a one promise. Like, if I get a better offer, fuck you. Like, the fact that Elizabeth got her to sign something <laughs> made her realise that it was a ten secret. That's fair. That shows a bit of guile from Elizabeth, to be fair. Elizabeth usually just lets it go and wings it and says, oh, oh, thank you, you'll keep my secret, and walks away. And then five minutes later, the secret's gone. But the fact that she's shown a little bit of um, format knowledge, should we say, no, hang on, I've been in this position far too many times. Let's get it in fucking writing that you'll say nothing. You manipulative shrew. I like that on multiple layers, and I've just realized as you guys are saying that, because first of all, it's a very kid of voyeurs thing to do, like to have someone write inside. I like that. I uh, could imagine Claire and Nina doing this in making right, out. Right, absolutely. Uh, number two, I like too that that really, that Elizabeth has learned and is making this seem like serious business, which it is. And then number three, it's cracking me up that when you write something down, uh, it becomes serious business because certain people on this podcast made certain other people sign a disclaimer yeah. that they would remain friends the first time they played Cards Against Humanity together. Well, yes. Touchy subjects <laughs> all around there, I think. <laughs> so that was just hilarious. We wanted insurance you'd be at our wedding. Like, we did not want to blow it. It's like, who's who's here as your witnesses? Bob from outside. He was having a cigarette. My best friend's meant to be here, but she's not talking to me after we played a card game. Going back to Elizabeth um, making Jessica write, you know, write a, sign a contract for this, be, being a um, an aspect of being the child of a lawyer. Do you think she actually billed Jessica for those hours, Wing? I hate you. I hate you so much. 
And no, I bet she did not. <laughs> so if anyone was going to, it would be Elizabeth who actually tracked her hours in Jessica and the money mix up like she was supposed to for that school assignment. And what set me off last time. So yay, billable hours. Woo. I think it would have been quite funny if she actually went to Ned and said, oh, I need to do this contract. Can you help me? And then Ned billed her. Just <laughs> took, it out of her uh, took it out of her allowance. Thank God Elizabeth never spends any money because if you notice that previous book aside anytime jessica needs money elizabeth's like oh i've only got 85 dollars. i'm saving for a horse you know <laughs> like elizabeth has never fucking spent money in her life well to be fair if she has 85 and she's been saving a lot long for a horse it's gonna be a while before she gets to a horse i do believe she did once spend a lot of her allowance on some earrings for her mum that jessica stole yeah when she, she was did. when she was uh Abusing a dog, I do believe. Is that like the correct book there? Yes. Yeah, because that's that's another, that's like the C plot. Uh, There's a lot going on in this book. Um, Jessica wants her ears pierced because Lila's just about to get hers pierced because everyone knows that Lila's daddy doesn't care. Jessica obviously wants hers done at the same time. And Ned and Alice talk about it for like a chapter and come up with the brilliant line of, oh, we think you're going to be really pleased with this outcome. And Jessica's like picking out the earrings in her mind. And then the parents go, yes, we think you should do it when you're 14. When you get to high school, I'm sure you won't be teased for the next two years for all your other friends with their earrings because their parents are shit. They're not like us. They don't care about you. I've got a couple of questions about this earring thing. First of all, do does Jessica have pierced ears in high school? That's a bloody good question. Yes, I think she does. Up until this book, I thought she had pierced ears now. Exactly. Yeah. So did I, because she borrowed those earrings. Yeah. Like, because it never says they were clip-ons. I mean, I actually went off on one when I did the recap at the time, because obviously I'd read these books. But yeah, it was never implied that they were clip-on earrings, were they? No. For last book uh, that we just finished recording, but will have been a week or two ago by the time you guys listen to this, uh, she's she's going to win some money from a radio quiz, she hopes. And one of the things she wants to buy are these really great earrings. Again, no mention of them being clip-ons. Hmm. And I can't actually see her being willing to wear clip-ons, especially in the 80s and 90s. Clip-ons hurt. She's not going to do that. Was the mention of her wanting to get her ears pierced in the last book though as well no oh right okay because i thought it was just good continuity over two books is this jessica putting the cart before the horse uh because in this book lila explains that when you get your ears pierced you have to wear the same set of studs for six weeks for your ears to adjust so is it the fact that jessica thinks you can just get your ears pierced and wear basically a chandelier on each ear straight away because that is kind of jessica isn't it so I could have bought that for last book in this book, but the fact that she borrows those earrings so many books back, oh, we're going to get her ears pierced. I want these fancy ones. And I was like, you idiot. You can't wear those for six weeks. Okay. The other thing I've got about ears and piercing is why is it a big deal? Why? why Wings can't never pe- had her ears pierced. No, no, no. I mean, I, mean so, I know it is a big deal in the story and I yeah. actually know it's a big deal in real life, but why? Why do parents go, well, yeah, well, you're 13. You can't have your ears pierced. Why not? I got mine done in primary school when all the other girls did. So, I mean, it was the tail end of primary school. It was the last year or two, so age 10, 11. But all the other girls started getting their ears pierced. And I said to mum, can I have my ears pierced? You know, Sharon down the road's got them done. And she went, yeah, fair enough. 
Yeah, I mean, it is a trope, though. That's the thing. It's a trope that I've seen in other things. You can't get your ears pierced until you're this age. And I'm sure I've seen that multiple times in multiple, you know, stories or films or whatever. And I don't understand. I mean, I can understand. It's like, can I get a tattoo? No, you can't. You're 10. You can't get a tattoo of Bart Simpson on your forehead. Don't be ridiculous. But a tattoo is actually a real thing that lasts forever. Whereas pierced ears is just like... Well, take them out, a little heel up, you know? At the same time, I did know some very conservative parents who wouldn't even let their kids have, you know, those fake tattoos where you stick it on your arm, you you put a sponge over it and you peel off the backing paper and it scratches off by the end of the day. They were like, no, tattoos are the mark of Satan. So or earrings? Well, on the other scale of it, you've got people who get their baby's ears pierced, which is, I think that's wrong. I think, like, the child should be old enough to, to sort of say yes or no, you know? Yeah. But when is the child old enough to say, I mean, surely if, if the child's six, they can say, yes, I want ears pierced. I'm not a parent. I don't give a shit. I'm not going to get into this debate. I mean, if they cannot speak, then they're too young for you to decide they should get their ears yes. pierced. What I'm saying is if they can speak, what... what What's the rationale by saying not until you're 14? Yeah, I, I don't get it. Wing's now looking at us with a faintly sarcastic, am- amused face on. Well, I wasn't meant to be sarcastic. I'm enjoying this. I'm just waiting for the back and forth to uh, for you guys to work your <laughs> way through it. Because uh, there's a lot of... Because I've been sitting here waiting, waiting for someone to ask, but why would you ever want to wait? Like, why is that a big deal? Because, oh my God, do I have an answer for you? Okay, go for <laughs> oh, it. Come on, Wing. Out with it. Super high level, the answer is the patriarchy. And a lot of times how patriarchy and religion go together. But the big idea you tend to find when people won't let their daughters get their ears pierced till a certain age is because they view it as sexualizing the body. And of course, the kids can't choose to do something that would sexualize their body. The parents have to set the limits until they're old enough. So it's that sort of thing where you keep yourself pure in these different ways, which is why I was not supposed to ever get my ears pierced till I was an adult uh, for a long time because our church really pushed that you don't do that kind of sexualization of the body until you are an adult in a married blah, blah, blah. But the earring thing was you could not do it as a kid because it was too much of a sexual thing. Why is that a sexual thing? Penetration. Well, yes, there's lots of reasons to it, but it's that idea of decoration. It's earrings as, or jewelry or makeup as decoration. Like the idea yeah. is that the only reason someone would wear jewelry or makeup is to appeal that make themselves more appealing to someone of the opposite sex in a sexual manner. Well, couldn't the same be said of a nice haircut? Yes. And you'll find that there are some groups that don't get haircuts for similar reasons. Well, they're just idiots. Are they now? <laughs> This is pointing out the hypocrisy of Ned and Alice, though, because Jessica frequently uh, wears makeup. She does her hair. She dresses to catch attention, not necessarily from boys, although she is now getting to the point where she is starting to get really into boys. It is kind of incoherent for Alice and Ned because their daughter is already catching people's eyes for attention not necessarily in a sexual way but so this is just 
them putting their foot down to be dicks. Well, and I mean, it's not even necessarily that, because it's not like a lot of these decisions aren't made in a, oh, that's a sexual thing, I'm not going to let her do it. But that's sort of the attitude that permeates the culture that's behind all of the decisions and things like that. Like, you don't even realize you're in it and making decisions based on it until you're doing it or until you take take a time to think about it and how it applies. Like, it's really hard to step outside of what you're in the middle of when you're steeping in that sort of misogynistic culture to go, hey, this is the thing that happened. Much like racism, it's constantly around and you have to teach yourself to try not to do it, to do these things. I, I can I can see that. That that That's fair. I know that people have kinks on all manner of things, but having been a young boy, earrings were never something that I would have viewed as being a sexual thing. Whereas a cheerleader outfit... And I think the internet will back me up on this. If you haven't searched for that, then that is definitely got sexual connotations. And that is something which is seen as fine by, in this series, she's part of the boosters. What do they wear as boosters? I don't of, know. Well, I presume they wear, I presume they wear cheerleading outfits because they're cheerleaders. I didn't think they did, actually. Let's find the front cover of boys, uh, Booster Boycott. They've all got little, the little, little cheerleading skirts and the, no, um, it looks like on the front of Booster Boycott, which, since it's never been described, we should probably take as closest to canon. Yeah. Um, they're wearing long sleeve sh- uh, sweatshirts with SV on the front, and Winston is wearing blue sh- uh, shorts. So the girls could conceivably be wearing shorts or skirts, or even um, track pants, possibly. I just would have thought that if they were wearing fancy cheerleader uniforms, we would have had paragraphs and paragraphs from Jessica yeah, about fair. how great they are. Exactly. But- I, I mean, she 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 doesn't look like she's on the front cover of Bring It On. But one thing I do like about these covers is because they are 12, they seem to have made a conscious effort not to sexualize the girls. They, they haven't given them little bumpy boobs or low-cut tops or anything. Or different faces. <laughs> or different faces that's true. you know how sexual different faces can be so <laughs> sorry all of that was kind of a moot aside because raven's right it's not inherently a sexual thing it's the i the weight that people put on it like girls can't make those decisions on their own dressing up has to be for to draw sexual attention all of that sort of implications that ride with it are not built into it like earrings themselves not necessarily a sexualized thing. So I, I actually agree a lot with what Raven said there, but that's kind of the history of what it comes from. The other side, there's a lot of sides. The other big side of this is the comment about babies getting their ears pierced. For a long time, that was kind of the standard and it was very innocuous. Like you just pierce girls, girl babies ears in part because people wanted to tell them to tell apart for boys because it was such a huge, horrific thing. But the other side of that is that there's a big pushback now that that is because a baby can't have bodily autonomy, you shouldn't pierce their ears there. And people roll that argument in with whether or not you should circumcise babies, uh, circumcise people as babies, because again, there's no consent, there's no bodily autonomy there. So there's lots of big picture and individual conversations going on. But in general, the idea that you can't get your ears pierced to this much older age is tied to this idea of keeping a girl pure, whether or not the parent is intending to have it that it fits into that cultural conversation. 
I will say that, like, on thinking about that, uh, because I went to church schools the whole time, and a lot of us weren't church goers at all. Um, a lot of us just ended up there because we had either divorced or dead parents, and the remaining parents sort of went, you know what my kid needs? God. I don't particularly like him, but maybe he'll look after my kid, you know? But the ones that were deeply religious were the ones who weren't getting their ears pierced, that weren't trying out temporary tattoos, that weren't cheekily wearing a friendship bracelet to break the school rules, you know? The really Christian ones were the ones that had all these limits, which I think is part of what Wing was saying, like just the limitation from devout people who... who may have taken a few extra steps yeah i can certainly see it's uh that the history is there and is not necessarily something that is thought about when the rules are being made on a sort of family by family basis but yeah yeah i can i can see that being the case it's like oh you can't get your ears pierced because no one gets their ears pierced until 14 that's just the way it is so fair that's exactly it that they're not thinking about it as any individual parent makes that decision I was just going to say, and also maybe it comes from, I mean, because in the next book, we we get to meet the grandparents. Uh, but it, it's also that thing in real life where it's sort of your parents try to be more progressive than their parents. So if they weren't allowed theirs pierced until they were 18, they're doing you a great favor by saying 14. Mm. That's fair. Times have changed and now 12 year olds want their ears pierced. Does that mean like in the 1800s, it's like, when can I get my ears pierced? Not until you're 80. It's just been coming down two years every generation. I will say that uh, I don't have pierced ears at all right now. I did get my the lobes pierced when I was younger than they'd originally set the rules, but I was still pretty far into my being a preteen uh, and had trouble with it. But when I came home as an adult, after I had moved out of the house, was in college full time, had my own job, I pierced the cartilage of one ear and came home and my parents nearly had heart attacks and flipped out as an with me coming in as an adult with them wow. so yeah i think these things run deeply through it i didn't tell them for a long time when i got my first tattoo because of that response well so... raven raven and i have a friend in fact it's raven's best friend and one time uh, somehow we were talking about his parents i can't remember how this happened but at the point we were having this conversation he said that his parents still didn't know he smoked and we were like your parents don't know you smoke, but you're a grown-up. Like, you moved halfway around the world for three years. You came back. You lived with your girlfriend. You married your girlfriend. You bought a house. You sold the house. You got divorced. You've done lots of adult stuff, and you're still a bit scared that they're going to find out you smoke. And he's like, yeah. I can see that. Uh, people react, well, <laughs> Ostrich and I had lived together for a couple years before the first time my mom would give us a group gift at the holidays. And she gave us this really nice set of dishes, uh, blue glass dishes, not that that matters. When she gave it to him, she gave them to Ostrich and flat out said, now don't take this as me approving of you two living together. But <laughs> I was like, oh, mom. <laughs> So yeah, like things change, but the the history still rides a lot in how people react to things. Uh, oh, my mom was adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about the A plot? Yeah, I mean, let's talk about we the, the, the C plot. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about the A plot. 
It's not called uh, Danny Gets His Ears Pierced, is it? So, yeah. <laughs> well, that would have been a fun story, too. Yes, I'd have enjoyed that, just for Stephen's reaction. I wasn't engaged in the A-plot. Uh, my only moment of interest came when Danny actually got in the car with uh, Olympic Greg. And I was like, what are you doing? And I have to say, when I put that in my recap, I actually Googled because I put a lot of links to famous people who you shouldn't get in cars with. And I will say I linked Mark Salling and literally as I hit refresh, refresh, uh, because everything froze. So I just F5'd and it popped up that on Wiki uh, that it just been found dead. And I was like, did I do that? Yes, you have the power. Yeah. Wow, but that's yeah. Yeah, it was really unnerving. So I texted uh, Raven, who was in the basement of a pub and didn't get my text until much later. And he was like, about four hours later, I got a text. We'll reply to all your texts, but we'll be home in five minutes. Oh, well, um, <laughs> so I'll reply in person. <laughs> yeah, but that was like my only moment where I felt engaged with the story. And that was because I was angry. <laughs> Interestingly, I felt more engaged with the story. But mostly because I did not see it going to him not being able to read. Like, this, even the build-up in the last book, where he starts to lash out a little, and the, all the build-up through this, I was definitely leaning towards abusive family life, which we've seen sort of before in Sweet Valley. Yeah, it wasn't until we actually got to that library scene that I was like, oh shit, that's what this very special episode's about. Did not see that. So I had, yeah, it was apparently very well bamboozled. And entertained to see what was going on with him see I, I i was a bit more engaged than you dove probably about the same as you wink um but you made a good point in your recap about the fact that when he was being class clown and drawing a picture of the hairnet on the board he then wrote the hairnet underneath it and i'm not sure how pc this is is there a correlation between somebody having trouble reading and maybe having trouble writing well, because he actually has uh, dyslexia, right? I mean, that's an actual diagnosis stated thing. Yeah, I mean, our feeling is that, because uh, we did have a brief talk about this, because I wanted to put it in my recap, but I wanted to make sure that I wasn't being offensive. Because uh, at the moment, at the moment that he writes on the b blackboard, he is undiagnosed, so he is not getting any assistance. He's not being given any tricks to best utilize his ability and things like that so it was more a case of like how did he write that you know like not necessarily not saying that no dyslexic can can write you know that's not a statement I wanted to make but it was more a case of would he have felt comfortable writing on the blackboard just in case he spelt it wrong and people made fun of him that I was actually going back to Raven, I think, was saying that is there a correlation between people who can't read and can't write well? I would say I think he would have messed up, like because that, that flipping of letters happens whether they're reading or writing generally. So if that's what's going on and that's why he's struggling and that's what we're told later, then yeah, I don't actually buy him writing the hairnet up there at all with as uncomfortable as he is about it. Drawing the picture, sure, and doing the uh, oral mocking of her and like in doing an impression of her and stuff, all of that, yes. But yeah, writing the hair down, especially with the letters that could so easily be switched, I don't know that he would have. Mm. Yeah. And also there's a bit of drama later where Danny visibly answers questions out loud, showing that he knows his stuff. 
and he says, oh, well, I learned it on this TV program, and Ms. Arnett just hits the fucking roof, and she's like, no, you can't learn from TV and stuff like that, and it was just such a shutdown, and she actually gave him detention for that because he got a bit sassy in the end after going, but have you even watched it? You know, yeah. how do you know it's, uh, like, completely wrong and i think he made a sarcastic comment at the end of it and was given detention i was like i would not given him detention for that i would have given him detention for openly mocking my appearance yeah right rather than at least passionately arguing in my class about the subject that i'm teaching about learning like he wanted to learn it it's not like he was saying i'm gonna go watch some unrelated tv show actually i think this right here the fact that i did not catch that obviously that meant he learned from the show instead of the writing. Had I caught that, I think I would have been like, oh yeah, clearly a learning disability. Did not catch that, just right over Wing's head. Just, woohoo. Don't know what I was doing. <laughs> well, I think everyone knows what I feel about the teachers in Sweet Valley. Yeah, we've actually made a tag for it on the site. <laughs> we've got to go back and like add it in. It, it, it does strike me that 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 is a massively blinkered thing to think that you can't lead you got to, you know, do all your learning from books rather than from television or or other things um the fact that the hairnet was so adamant that this is the case is very very sweet valley teacher very very sweet valley teacher for one because it's wrong but two it actually flies in the face of the fucking sweet valley policy because they've just spent loads of bloody money doing a bike ride to buy televisions and videos so they can bloody watch stuff in class that's yeah. true uh it is it's very sweet valley teacher it's also not an uncommon thing to see even today some of the older teachers in particular still don't believe that that sort of learning outside of this very structured reading and writing is a way to learn and it's sad that teachers still hold to that idea because you're right it's very not true so you know let's see let's see you could be reading a sweet valley book or you could be watching a documentary on literally anything <laughs> and i know which one would have the more beneficial learning possibilities there but even if you compare like apples to apples instead of apples to dinosaurs like that comparison <laughs> just was uh some people learn a lot better despite less you're gonna lose some details when you watch say the movie adaptation but you're still gonna have the core of the movie and the themes and stuff like that the core of the story so i don't see how that's any different and the thing was what she was teaching she was teaching factual things rather than literature or anything like that because you can make the point that that yes, when you watch, say, for example, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, that's Baz Luhrmann's interpretation of the thing, where what you're trying to get is your own interpretation of, of the thing by reading it. But oh, she was teaching law stuff, wasn't she? She, she, she was talking about J Judge Judy. I think you mentioned it was Judge Judy that maybe he'd been watching. Basically, yeah. Yeah, it sounded like Judge Judy. And I did also put in a disclaimer for anyone who was about to go, well, Dove said that um, if you want to be a lawyer, watching that's probably not going to get you far. And you're probably best doing a bit of studying. But I can imagine this, the Sweet Valley version of Judge Judy hasn't got her sass. So it's probably a lot more factual and a lot <laughs> less interesting. Um, yeah. And to be honest, it's probably a lot less combative. And she's just like, yes, money for everyone. Yay. You're both well, right. Can we find like the middle was... ground? He was talking about this is how you learn to be a judge or like a lawyer. He's like, these are the the pinnacles of like, these are how justice works. Like, this is a, 
an arm of justice and this is an arm of justice. That's very basic things. You could probably pick that up. Yeah, easily. Also, also, look, of a certain generation in the United States, we all learned how a bill is made because of a saw. <laughs> yeah. I, I even that, that, that's even permeated into my culture through friends, I believe. Awesome. So, there yes, you go. it's definitely a thing that <laughs> I'm cheerfully oblivious and I'm okay with that. Well, I'm going to link it somewhere, either in the send it to you for the show notes or in the recap itself. So don't you worry. You won't be oblivious for long. Awesome. <laughs> so let's go back to another aspect of this book that I think that we need to touch on because it shows Dove's personal bias and hatred of certain things. You didn't like this book, did you, Dove? I didn't, no. One of the main things you didn't like about this book was the fact that Elizabeth was doing her usual oh, let's befriend this poor waif and let's meddle in his life and let's try and help him when she had no business doing that. Is that a fair assessment? I think that was evidenced by the fact that I spent 45 minutes making a graphic to show a list of people Elizabeth could save. Definitely go and check that out in the recap. It's absolutely wonderful. Now, the point I would like to make about that is, did you really hate this book or do you actually only hate Elizabeth? You're probably right about that. I, I do hate Elizabeth because I thought it was incredibly bad form that she was just listening in on uh, Danny's teachers giving feedback to him and his parents at parents' night. I would want to cut a bitch who sat in on one of my one-to-one performance reviews. And it's just like, no, fuck the fuck off. This is about me. It's not about you. Get fucked, you nosy little bell end. But these aren't really one-on-one performance reviews, at least how it was described. People are walking in and out of classrooms all the time. Anyone could be around for it, which is, I mean, to be fair, a terrible setup for this sort of meetings. But it's not like totally she's believable from the staff room. in Sweet Valley Middle. Yeah, because well, you, know, you know, I thought back to mine, and what it was was basically um, in my school, all the teachers sat in their teaching rooms, and everyone else congregated, sort of like in the lunchroom, and. Prior to that, Mrs. Smith would go, right, okay, teacher's night. Who wants 7 o'clock? All right, okay, I'm seeing Sally and her parents at 7. 7.10, who wants 7.10? You know, and we would sign up. And then at 7 o'clock, Sally would and her parents would go into Mrs. Smith's room and shut the door. And Mrs. Smith would summarize Sally in 10 minutes or less. Exactly. Like, so yeah, these aren't set up as private meetings. And in fact, the parents they don't even his parents don't even go talk to the principal which is part of how he could get away with what he's getting away with at the moment so yeah it's like it's not really there's no expectation of private holy shit i can't believe i just said that in a freaking sweet valley recap there's no expectation of privacy because that's the level of conversation we're having here holy <laughs> crap uh when you're going around these schools as groups so I actually, as much as I dislike Elizabeth meddling in everyone's lives, that was realistic. Her whole family's left her alone. She's kind of just waiting to see what's going to happen next. She overhears this thing. That was far less uh, proactive on her than a lot of things that she does that's meddling. That's fair, yeah. I think I'm, I'm just sick of Elizabeth sticking her fucking nose in. I mean, because if I was in Sweet Valley... Elizabeth would be fucking around my house all the time and following me around and going, do you want to talk about it? And I would cut that bitch. That'd be a very special episode. <laughs> yeah, when I look forward to that book. Or she'd save me and I wouldn't know you two. Fuck you, Elizabeth! 
Well, that was nice and depressing. Why did you save that for Bleak Valley? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I, I, one thing I thought would have been quite funny is if when Elizabeth discovered that this Olympic Greg had problems reading and, and so on, and she wrote a letter to him, is if he just didn't answer because he had problems reading. <laughs> that was a very great uh, analysis there. I will say that, so while I cut her a little more slack on that side of things, my God, Elizabeth and these people in Sweet Valley really have a lot of luck of getting fucking famous people to come to Sweet Valley to do things on a one-on-one basis. What the hell? Yeah. Except for except for Lila, who can't get her uncle to do what he <laughs> promises he'd do. Yeah, clearly she just needed to go to Elizabeth and get Elizabeth to write a letter. Also, something that really pissed me off is the fact that Elizabeth assumed that Danny can't read because his last school was shit. I mean, those that's two assumptions that I'm pissed off about. She was just like, oh, yeah, Danny can't read, like, despite the fact that she's seen evidence of him writing, which we're not quite sure is a continuity error or not. But, you know, it's taken as as read that he can't. Well, and also there's like that idea that, oh, he can't read. If you're assuming he can't read completely, he can't read because his last school is shit. And it's going, oh no, it's just that his last school couldn't figure out that he had dyslexia. Well, you know what? Neither could fucking Sweet Valley. (laughs) That's the thing with Elizabeth in that situation. I think, I like to think, although realistically this isn't the case, but I like to think that Elizabeth is thinking, well, yeah, maybe he didn't notice because his last school was shit. Because she's got no frame of reference on what a good school is. And she's just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that Danny can't read because his last school, like all schools, is shit. <laughs> you know like, what? I would give you that interpretation. If she assumes all schools are like Sweet Valley Middle, oh, Lord. What did anyone think about her flirtation, uh, her crush that she had on Olympic Greg? I thought it was kind of adorable, though. Is this really her first crush, though? Yes, it is, I think. I don't think she's ever had, like, a fluttery moment. Like, Jessica's been pretty consistent. Like, even going back back to the bully when she found out that Aaron was staying overnight in the cave, she was like, ooh, that's hot. And Elizabeth promptly gives her what for, going, he's got a lot on his mind. The last thing he needs is some silly girl thinking he's sexy. Which is just, like, so pearl-clutchy. Because her thinking about him is going to ruin things. Yeah. And aside from anything, like, I'm sorry, but a 12-year-old boy, like, is going to sort of think, hey, a really popular girl thinks I'm cool for doing a thing. Even if you don't care about the girl in question, it's like, somebody thinks I'm cool. I must be a lot cooler than I am. <laughs> so, yeah, like, especially if it is continuity approved, I thought it was kind of cute and especially funny. Uh, when Jessica, of course, snatches that opportunity to meet him out from under her, as she does always, it was less cute at the kiss. But I did quite like the fact that they sort of said, "Oh, Mr. Bowman rushed up and said, oh, all the uh, all the all the school, all the all the, of the sixes, sweet have sixes have gone missing.'" missing. Oh, and, don't and worry, Jessica's I like, found oh, them. Have they? And they don't mention it or anything. I'm like. The, the writers knew. The writers knew that Jessica had owned them into a bin somewhere. And also, <laughs> what what I love about this is, like, when Elizabeth goes, can you do it? Elizabeth didn't immediately go, because remember that time you ran a paper, bitch? Oh, my God. <laughs> You're right. Ha, she that's a very good point. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Nice. 
that would have been great continuity. Yeah. But um, and uh, and Jessica was just like, oh, I don't know how to use the purple inky printy thing as um, oh god, why nostalgia <laughs> likes me to call it. Um, yeah. But I love the fact that it was never touched on like who who the culprit was, and we're all like, yeah, that's that's just that's just Jessica. I do, especially because Mister Bowman finds him not too much later. I'm like, oh. Oh, so well done. Just so clever. That could either have been Jessica or, if you think about it, it could have just been the staff being shit. Well, that's Again. true. I mean, they do do things like misplaced money boxes, so... I would actually love that if, like, every every book there was, like, a thing that we all know Jessica did, but the story just doesn't cover it, and we all chalk it up to, <laughs> oh, I guess we'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, who could have done that? <laughs> Mr. Nidick's been murdered. All right, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> God, that's funny. That was that's great. Though. Yeah, Mister Nidick should have been one of the people I linked to. Yeah, yeah, he probably should have been. Good lord, you're right though. Like this book, the plot was that was weird. Like what? So this is around the time of Stranger Danger yeah. and all of that yeah. stuff was huge here. How the fuck was this a thing that happened? It was cool when he came in public and sat and talked to him at the track meet. And it might have even been cool had they gone and walked somewhere in public together talking. But to get in a car with a stranger, I was kind of like, I don't think it's this kind of book, but we'll never see him again. (laughs) Much like all of the other uh, new kids. When Danny disappears, we'll know why. There you go. Yeah, I think we're going to have to add him to the missing presumed dead list. (laughs) <laughs> but for the first time he has a reason to be missing presumed dead. yeah and the re- reason isn't jessica right he just gets in the cars with strangers cool well maybe he thought oh, well i might as well get in 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 the car with this stranger because if he is a pedophile just my luck i've bumped into the one pedophile who, who i can't outrun <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Fair enough. Yeah, that's actually a really good point because you know when people are running away and they always like they knock over shopping carts and things like he's a fucking <laughs> hurdler. They'll just jump right over them. <laughs> the guy's got him. The guy's got him. Oh god. <laughs> this is why we get flagged for things. Good <laughs> it really is. Marvelous. Well, have we finished with this book? Should we move on to Bleak Valley or do we have more things to say? I well, it's nothing big. How realistic or how much did you guys what did you guys think about the fact that Danny keeps setting new records, either his own records or school records or state records? Like just kind of offhandedly, like, Oh, I beat my record. It was my or I beat the record. Oh, I set it too, and then I beat it again or Sweet Valley just has the highest score ever in this district race and blah 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 blah. I'm like I mean, bizarrely I thought that was okay. Because oh. we had people in our school who were just very good at running. Right. I seem to remember that uh, Mel C from the Spice Girls, don't ask me how I know this, um, she beat her record every single sports day. And on multiple occasions, she actually beat the boys' record as well. Which is cool. And in general, I think records are fine to be beat, and it definitely happens. I guess for me, it was just felt like another one. Maybe if he was just beating his own records or school records. But when Sweet Valley then went on to have the highest score in this district uh, thing, at that point it just felt like another, oh, Sweet Valley always wins. I mean, I thought that that came from the fact that he was he was just the best. And I quite like the fact that he was from another school originally and he moved and he's now in this school. And I can see that. I can see that almost as, as a very American thing with the, the love of sports and scholarships and stuff like that. 
is, is, is much more pronounced than it is over here. But, I mean, we all get behind people like Greg Rosetsky, the tennis player who was Canadian who moved to Britain, and all of a sudden he's British, yay! So I can sort of see this guy coming to the new school and they immediately latch onto him because, oh no, hang on, he was the state record holder from the other school that he was at. Now he's ours. Let's get him on the team. And another thing, I think they actually did that well because they were all very much like, oh, well, if Danny doesn't run, we haven't got a fucking chance. We're going to lose. And I think that would have been the case because he was obviously head and shoulders above everyone else. So because he was getting the records, I know they were his own records. I'm like, well, yeah, they've, they've set him up as this running machine. When I said that Mel C consistently broke her records, that, you know, sports day only happens once a year. So she's had a year to get taller and train harder. Yeah, whereas bigger, faster, yeah. Danny is breaking his record every 45 minutes. It's like, dude, when does that end? Um, and what was the other point I was going to make? Oh, my other point was how many fucking pri- uh, middle schools are in the area? Because they're up against Pinecrest. We know that Big Mesa has a middle school. Big Mesa is the super rival of Sweet Valley High. And there's a completely different school that they go to at the end of the Sweet Valley Twins series for junior high, which isn't still high school. So that is a lot of 11 and 12-year-olds just running around Sweet Valley. Well, it's not necessarily schools in Sweet Valley, though. At least that when you district-level stuff, they're probably competing against possibly schools across Southern California. Yeah, when I was in the rugby team at school, we had matches against at least six or seven different teams. Oh, yeah. Like, on a week week to basis. And this was all just within Merseyside. We got a couple over from, and not even Liverpool. We got a couple a couple over from Liverpool, but most of them were just in the Whittle Peninsula. Yeah, there's quite a few schools. I mean, I had friends who were in at least three other schools. Look at you with, with having multiple friends. Yeah. All my friends in different schools. Yeah, they call me the friendmeister. I have a girlfriend in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm just thinking, like, because we've all made jokes in the past about how I actually grew up in the English version of Sweet Valley. And Raven, you actually drove around there. I did. Over Christmas. And yes. um, there were only two schools in the area I showed them to you. So, yes, um, I guess um, I hadn't really and they didn't interact. They didn't even interact with each other. Such was the snobbery of where I grew up. Nice. Um, Much less any other schools. So possibly I'm just bringing my own sort of experience with schools, which was we're not talking to you. (laughs) Yeah, that definitely doesn't happen here because of the sports that Mm. yeah, America sports thing. Even if the school itself is. Exactly. Even if the school itself is super snobby, if they have a sports team, they'll be going to these competitions with other schools. You get that a lot in that underdog. uh, Well, even if you look at the Mighty Ducks, which obviously isn't most of the time based around school teams, you've got the very fancy part of the city has a team, and then the very poor part of the city has a team. And, oh, how will the underdogs ever afford to beat the rich team? Yeah. I mean, it's a reason that's such a huge storytelling trope in u.s sports possibly stories. my town didn't have a poor bit that's possibly where i'm coming that's from <laughs> but even like uh, in high school competing here in say marching band we would go and we'd maybe go a couple hours away to a competition but there'd probably be 30 other schools there so it you it gets big any kind of competition could get really big here when my nephew who just finished his last marching season 
uh, they traveled to other states to compete. So you could definitely have a bunch of schools going to competitions. Yeah. Maybe I just forget how big the US is because, like, it is is (laughs) so weird. Um, Raven and I, the first time we went to Vegas, when we were waiting for you and Ostrich to rock up, uh, we went to a WWE event. It was at a university and we're like, it's seriously at a university. That's just like mind blowing for an English person. Yeah. And the, the, the actual arena it was in was, was an arena, you know, it was massive. It was bigger than Leeds arena, which is our local arena. It was, you know, it was proper size. Which we didn't was... have back then. Yeah. The Leeds arena didn't actually exist back then. So yeah, it's weird because when you say, oh, it's going to be in a university, you're like, what is going to be in the school gym? Yeah, <laughs> bleachers and ten people. Um, yeah, it's definitely a a step change from what we we're, we're used to. Yeah. Well, it, it, they told me this when we got out there, and it cracked me up because I had only not too long ago been at a at a university that their stadium, uh, and it was strictly for football, U.S. football, and big events like graduations and stuff their record's almost 110,000 people in the crowd. Wow. And so it just, it, it, I'd forgotten how huge that seems to people who aren't used to big schools like that. So they made me laugh. The other thing that made me laugh and where I thought you were going with the story is the people who were just shocked that you walked to the stadium from the strip. <laughs> yeah. Because it was just so far. Oh, my God. You would never walk that far. I'll tell you yeah. what was really weird for us was the fact that we had to stand and, like, for your national anthem. And we were like, do we, do we? Do we put our hands on our hearts and pretend we know the words like all the other Americans who started off strong and don't know the second line? Oh, say can you see? Yeah, exactly. Aside from aside from anything, the American national anthem is like really hard to sing. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> like at least we English know how shit we are. God save our gracious queen. Like literally anyone can sing it. Yours is all sort of like, yeah, we sing in America. Yeah, except so many people don't and can't. Like there's all sorts of things because they do open the sports events with, with it and people will come in and sing it. There's always such criticism of, oh, did they hit the right note? But they would be on that. Did they add too much tremolo here or did they add too much energy <laughs> there? Did they change even a drop from our precious anthem? It's such a ridiculous thing. Oh, God, I hate American patriotism. <laughs> America is weird to the English. Yes. Actually, to, to, to most of the world, I've got to be honest. And on that note, should we move on to Bleak Valley? Yes. Yeah. Okay, has anyone got any theories on how we can bleakify this story? Well, I suspect our bleak Elizabeth uh, does have problems reading herself. Okay. Uh, Simply because she's not been allowed to be educated. So with her, though, it's probably that she just doesn't know what the words mean. Like, 
rather than it being a learning disability it's just like she's not allowed out of the cupboard so it's not like she's going to be particularly well educated although that does revise all of our things where we've said oh she's got a book and she's you know this is the one book or one magazine she's read that was the point i was going to raise to that yeah i definitely still like that at earlier things but yeah, this really kind of stems the idea that she can't read at all because if they're not, why would they have ever taught her to read? Yeah. For that mm. matter, she probably doesn't speak very well, yeah. How long has Bleak Valley Elizabeth been in this state? That's a good question. Because, I mean, if she's been brought up from a baby as this, then she's going to be basically feral. Whereas I, I'm more, I more saw her as somebody who'd been put into this state, a bit like Harry Potter. I don't know, because, no, Harry Potter's always been in that state as well. No, he hasn't. He used to live with his... Oh, yeah, well, he has. from a very baby. But also, he went to school. Like, they sent him to that's school. That's true. So would be... He existed. We kind of go back and forth in Bleak Valley as to whether... Yeah. She, anyone knows about her. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she's allowed outside of the house, but she is allowed to at least be downstairs i don't think she's probably allowed into their bedrooms um so she would pick up like words like she wouldn't be like you know talking in hisses or growls or whatever i think she's i think she's um socialized enough that might be the wrong word but i think she's socialized enough to be able to do things for them yeah like she, she you know like tidy up and and chores and things like that right. so therefore there's got to be some level of interaction even if it's just put the fear of god into her so she does what they right. say so they've at least had the teacher to talk so she can understand when they tell her to do something so maybe it's that she doesn't read but she does get tv like it's not like they're hiding the world from her they're hiding her from the world yeah yeah and they clearly since they've had her if they've had her like this from infancy they have no real worry that she's going to try to escape. So there's no real problem with having some TV open to her. I do think that TV is regarded as a privilege. And so yes. she doesn't yeah. get it a lot. And also, I always see this taking place in the same time period as Sweet Valley does, like the 80s, the 90s. So it's, you know, a big chunky TV and they probably don't have like the, the whole Sky package. Although you guys still have infinitely more channels than we did, like just with your regular terrestrial TV. I don't necessarily think that's true. Well, we, we when I was four. growing up, we had three. We had three. Hmm. When I was like, when I was before we moved to an actual town, we had about three. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 I always assumed I mean, America now, had more. Like just basic package. I think there's maybe twelve or thirteen local, what they call local access stuff, but. Yeah, it wasn't a little. I do think that it's possible that they have better TV upstairs. Like, they have access to really, yeah. depending on how much yeah. money they're actually rolling at any time. But she definitely would just have basic, some old, tossed-out TV. It may even be black and white. So Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's what her frustration is. Like, someone's given her a book and she doesn't know how to read it. Ooh, I like that. And oh, nice. previously yeah. we've mentioned that she looked at magazines, so possibly she just saw, like, the picture of the horse that's weirdly cut out from a magazine. Like, what the fuck, Alice? You're middle class. You know, so she, she's seen magazines with pictures, and if she wanted to go on the class trip, she's seen an advert, and, it, you know, you can see the roller coasters, and and cartoons quite often show 
theme parks. So, you know, she's definitely aware of the concept. And that would explain why such things, things are often so weird, even in the Sweet Valley side. So if these are things that don't actually work or aren't really real, it's because she's picked them up sometimes from images where she can't even read the words attached yeah, to them. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of puts the class trip into a different light. because She's basing them off of just pictures what kind of ads might be all near each other in a magazine. No wonder it's so disjointed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not still not giving it a pass. I can fuck off. <laughs> it's still terrible. Don't yeah. Worry. Yeah, yeah. But pretty much everything gets a pass. If you put it into bleak Valley context, I mean, uh, because on the last podcast, I asked wing if the guy they were returning the tennis racket to was called Peter in this book. There is yet another Peter who is, what the fuck, pretending to be deaf by sticking straws in his ears. Like, that's four Peters we've had already, because we've already got Peter DeHaven and Peter Jeffries. Like, if you put it in Bleak Valley terms, she is recycling Z-list players in her universe to Peter. Like, she doesn't even know that John is the most common boy's name. She thinks it's Peter. That's sad, but true. I like it. Okay, so that's how the lack of reading ties into Bleak Valley. What about the rest? Uh, maybe Alice went on a health kick and actually did basically do the Jessica thing and probably lost her temper when she found out she gained three pounds. I mean, oh, of course. she probably took that out on Elizabeth. Straight back on the crack. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Fucking hell, maybe she got clean. Oh, and because like Raven and I smoke a lot, and the minute we give up smoking, we eat everything in the house. Like <laughs> we, we eat the fucking house. Yeah. So maybe she tried to get clean for a while, realized she'd put put on weight and gone. Oh, you know what I need? Meth. So how does like the like Danny Jacobson and not Danny Jacobson, um, Olympic Greg tie into this, and the, the fact that there's a savior for for Danny? Was to say she's always looking for a savior, but the Olympic thing actually makes sense if what she's doing is watching some TV because that was such a huge thing. Like any of those basic channels back then would have showed it because it was before they would like like CBS or whoever would try to keep it to themselves to make you pay for it because there's so many things back then. It was yes, whoever has it will show it because there's no competition. As for being saved, I know we keep going back and forth on the sibling because I think the sibling's one of the scariest people because occasionally we have agreed that the sibling might have done this nice thing for for no reason other than it didn't occur to them to do something crueler. So perhaps sibling gave her a, you know, Dick and Jane book and gave her a very brief lesson. So now she can recognize some words. That's a good theory. That's actually interesting. I like that. Although I don't know how she dreamed up the concept of a learning disability. That's that's the flaw. That's fair. I mean, nowadays, even if she had access to TV, she would have heard about it. But I don't necessarily think she would have back then. That's true. If she's been watching TV and she's been watching the Olympics, or if she's been watching dramatizations of like sporting events on like films or TV Ooh, movies or something. Actually, yeah. That does actually explain why Danny's always breaking records, because that's the kind of thing that they, they'd show on the telly, is the person breaking a record or the story about somebody breaking a record. But also the Olympic guy, yeah. Elizabeth has a crush on him, so maybe he was played by a handsome actor and she kind of fell into a, like a dream world where he would come and save her. 
And that also explains how she knows about dyslexia, actually, because if he's supposed to be this super outspoken athlete who talks about it, that's going to be in the news. Yeah. They yeah. made that a part of his stuff. Yeah, that's true. And then she could be like, oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not unable to read. I've, I've, if he can't read, I've, I must have dyslexia too. Cause like she can talk and everyone else can, but everyone else can read and she can't. It's not that she's this terrible person that her parents tell her, you're too dumb to do this. She's just, yeah, different way. I suppose if she's picking all this sort of Olympic stuff off the telly and she's learning about sportsmen and all that, then we can look forward to the book in which somebody comes to Sweet Valley to to win some sporting events and is outed as a drugs cheat. Because that's the kind of thing that will be shown on TV as well. Awesome. That's what they should have done with the German gymnast team. Like, who's the bad guy? Like, Bruno or something other German. Or the bike race with... um, with Bruce Patman, he could have been Lance Armstrong or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, full body blood transfusions. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's terrible and hilarious. Um, but why did she dream up Danny as the person having the issue? Oh, because, no, because it would fuck up with her continuity, wouldn't it? Elizabeth can't have a reading problem. She edits the sixes. Right. Yeah, yeah. And some books continuity matters more to her than others. Yeah. And also, Danny's rebellious nature could be a reflection of her wanting to rebel more and escape out of the problems that she's in. But she knows that that's coming, that there'll be more problems if she does do that because of her lack of being able to read, you know? Ooh, that's a good one. Also, this explains why, in books... Elizabeth leads the more sedentary lifestyle where Jessica is active because bleak Elizabeth doesn't get out of the house, whereas her imaginary friend Jessica can like run down to the beach. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's nice. I like it. It sort of explains why, you know, book Elizabeth is such a lazy bint, basically. Ah. <laughs> okay, some good in-depth bleakness there. Yay! So, now, do we want to rate it on our scale? Yeah, I think we should. Wing? We do. Why don't you tell us about our scale? Wing, I'd really like you to do it, because you do the hand movement so beautifully, and I know it doesn't come across on a podcast, but fuck the listeners, I'm watching. But I have to do it on my book! (laughs) This is true, I think it should be you, Dove. Oh! Okay. So, we make a lot of efforts over the stupendous thing, and we haven't got one in that category. I know, right? I'm just holding out hope. <laughs> I have one that's going straight in there without question. Okay. Uh, so Don't look forward tell me to which that. one. You build it up too much that I hate this. Exactly. Yeah, I know. That's so. okay. You can just list it with all the others. Go. <laughs> you did this to yourself. You did this to yourself, Doug. You should have never got off on a 10 minute list of books in our yearly recap we will never let Can you I just screen cap your face and put it in the show notes because you yes, look so pissed do off it, do it. <laughs> fuck my little pony friendship is not magic <laughs> tell us what you think of the book no <laughs> <laughs> okay our rating scheme although i won't be able to do the hand mi- movements as beautifully as wing ah stupendous good meh bad kill it with fire and for this book i will put it into meh basically i like 
the B plot more than the A plot. And I don't think that's a good sign. And to be honest, now that I've recapped it, I am never going to read this book again. There is literally no reason for me to ever come back to this book. So that's why it's in meh. But it's also not so annoying or offensive or anger inducing to get into bad or kill it with fire. I too will put it in meh. I think it put it in a high meh. So maybe instead of meh, meh. Yeah. I thought it had some good bits. I quite enjoyed Danny's character. I thought he was a little bit more nuanced and I wasn't sure where it, the story was going at, at some points. Yeah, I thought of the fact that he got into the car with Olympic Greg. Honestly, I didn't notice that at the time. When you brought it up in the recap, I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, yeah. That's ridiculous. What's he doing? Maybe it's but at the a time, girl I was like, thing. Oh, yeah, okay. Maybe. Might be. We are more aware of vulnerability, perhaps, without going on a feminist rant, because Wing noticed as I well. I never go on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the earrings thing was weird. So there were bad parts, but I I think I enjoyed it more than you did. I don't think it was a good book, but it was one that I I could overlook Elizabeth's meddling and take some enjoyment from it. So, yeah. Meh. Well, I think possibly the, for the first time ever, at least since we started doing this, I am going to pop a book into good. Who are you and what have you done with Wing? I might not have done this had we not just had such an extensive discussion of why meh for me is all about it not making me feel things or just being completely forgettable or whatever. But I enjoyed this. It's a low good. Low good. But uh, I did like it. I did not see the dyslexia thing coming for some unknown reason. I enjoyed the Olympic part of things, except for the getting in the car, which was like, the fuck is happening here? That I actually enjoyed the earring thing because it's such a, it's a thing that I've seen play out many, many times. And in fact, just recently saw it play out among my friends who were parents and some of their conversations about it. So that rang really true to me. So yeah, I thought it was good. Excellent. Awesome. And now I feel weird. <laughs> yeah. Who'd have thought Wing would be the most positive about a generally kind of meh book? I know, right? <laughs> I mean, we do have a medley. I mean, I'm a I'm a bottom meh. I'm a high meh. And you're a low good. So, you know, it. we are all disagreeing still, but, um, you know, two against one. Yeah, but when you have categories, you've got to split them somewhere. This is right, Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I do... It would be rubbish if we were all the same. Exactly. I mean, I would rather have a little okay between good and bad, but that's ridiculous. We can't keep splitting the categories <laughs> every time we go. Oh, different categories. Not quite this and that. Exactly. I would have those categories, and then I would hate myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I liked it. I'm looking forward to the next, which I haven't actually read yet. Excellent. Well, that was quite agreeable of us. And to be fair, I think we didn't wander off topic quite so much. So. It was definitely better than the last one, wasn't it? Yeah. Stop telling, Sorry, guys. Stop telling people what they should be thinking of our podcasts. They should love every minute of what we produce. <laughs> well, actually, I think they do love us going off, but we just we were not super impressed with our ability to talk about a book for five seconds at a time. Yeah, true, I actually true. meant that the book was better, like as evidenced by the fact ah, yes. that the three of us didn't immediately start telling stories about shit that doesn't matter. Oh, right. No, the book was definitely better than last week's. Agreed. Agreed. 
yeah. But that said, I'm still never going to read it again, not even for completest reasons. If I do another lap of it, I'm skipping it. Well, I'll probably never read it again either, so that's fair. But mine is because we'll be reading New Sweet Valleys for me for the next five years, so I'm not going to have time to reread it. <laughs> Fantastic. I guess we should wind things up because, yeah. yeah, things, reasons, stuff. High octane end there. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, that was Danny Means Trouble, which, you know, is a meh, meh, good. So thank you for sticking with us. And as Wing said, if you want us to randomly say your name in the middle of a podcast, tweet us or something. So thank you very much for listening and tune in next time. Bye. Bye, Bye guys. You've been listening to the Sweet Valley Online podcast for number 40, Danny Means Trouble, recorded on the 4th of February, 2018. You can access all our past recaps and podcasts at sweetvalley.online, a member of nostalgicbookshelf.com. Check us out on facebook.com forward slash sweetvalleyonline or tumblr at sweetvalleyonline.tumblr.com. Our music is supplied by Stuart Taylor and he can be contacted at taylorstuart602.gmail.com for all your musical needs. We can be found at Twitter under sweetvalley underscore, which is Dove, Devil's Elbow Pod, which is Wing, and Bookshelf underscore Raven, which is obviously Raven. Next week, we'll be talking about Sweet Valley Twins Super Chiller, The Ghost in the Graveyard. Be sure to join us on the 23rd of Feb. Until then, please don't rip the front covers off magazines. Oh.